and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 498. Man, it sucks that there's so many like copyright laws and stuff these days because this would be a perfect, perfect opportunity to have like, you know, the the record scratch in the middle of our intro and start off with like, I don't know, transition into the man in black by Johnny Cash. But we can't do that anymore because there's algorithms out there, folks, that like auto <laughs> auto call all the uh, audio uploads on podcast platforms for copyright strikes. What was it? It was like what last year? It's, it's been a while. We got a copyright strike randomly on our Venom episode for the Eminem song I used. Yeah, I think that does sound about right. Yeah. But if you couldn't tell from the title of the episode and the album art and everything else, we're talking uh, Black Adam, right? And the future of the DC Studios universe, right? Yeah, it'll be a lot of what's going on, speculation about what will be going on. Uh, at least the Snyderverse is dead. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Shut up, everybody out there. <laughs> the The war is over. Can I unblock the hashtag now? <laughs> no, probably not. All, all the bots are probably still programmed to use it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a movie, man. So how do oh, we want to God. start talking about it? I guess general thoughts would probably be the probably the wise move. Well, you know, I, I just FYI, I, I throw the I throw the reins to you. Yes, because you're the movie guy, but because with every movie, you have a different thing you want to get to first. So whether or not, like, you know, it's been interesting in how the box office is performing on this particular film. And you want to start with that, you know, so. I never know where you want to start. <laughs> That's why I, 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 I and I, I do deep down. I know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is not why you're fired, Chad. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't have any, any straight direction to uh, of where I want to really go with this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's an, it's certainly an, an, an interesting movie to dissect based on. All aspects of it, based on the the box office, based on the critic reaction versus the audience reaction, based on yeah what it, what it's going to mean going forward with the big upheaval that's taking place or has been announced since. So yeah, there's a it it. I don't think there is just one way one way to go. Yeah. Um. So I saw it uh, last Friday. I think it's been a blur, guys. Um. Uh. And uh. I I enjoyed it. Uh. I actually, man, trying to think of recent movies. I think I liked it more than Love and Thunder. Which is a low bar. I know. Uh. But I did. I'm one of the people who I didn't hate Love and Thunder, but I was just kind of I liked Love and Thunder more than Dark World. So uh. I. You know, on a, on a sliding scale, I guess. And what else have I seen in theaters recently? Oh hell, I don't know. What is time anymore? I'm, we're getting old, Mark. Um, I had a couple of problems with it. I felt there was a bit too much. I don't know. I don't know how I felt. It it, it, not, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I don't know how I felt about the whole intro to the film being narrated by The Rock. Uh, I feel like we've we've done that before and with the rock (laughs) enough times at this point where I'm not entirely sure. Like it almost reminded me of um, what's another movie he did an intro for. Was it Scorpion King where he told the story and everything. And we saw the back. It kind of reminded me of Scorpion King at the beginning. Yeah. Or was, or the narration in 
and the mummy, the second mummy about the Scorpion King. Because I don't think yeah. he did. Yeah, I don't think he did the narration in that one, but he, but it was narration featuring him. So. Yeah, yeah. So that that, that kind of reminded me of all of that. Um, I really like how much the JSA was involved here, but I do see people critiquing the movie online, saying that you know it, Black Adam kind of takes a backseat in his own movie because of them uh to some extent and i can see that but as a jsa fan i guess i'm biased because i was all for it i i don't know how i feel about his portrayal of black adam you get the sense that the black adam that dwayne johnson plays or the rock plays is more kind-hearted and or benevolent than the black adam of the comics it's just he's comfortable with killing is all and i don't necessarily see because you know the black adam of the comics has has been an outright villain before and that's not simply because he he has a willingness to kill where others won't that's not what makes him a villain there have been other things and Forgive me, I can't name them right now. It's been a while since I've read a Black Adam comic, but I know that that there is more to what makes Black Adam a man of questionable morals than just his ability to or his willingness to kill. Um, so I felt I felt odd about that, and I don't know I don't know what they could have done to encapsulated that more. Maybe have him. Maybe have him kill one of the JSA members or something. I I I don't know what what they could have done in the film. Um, yeah, forgive me. I'm just I haven't thought about it in terms of what of what I would would have done different. But there's there's something there's there is something off about his portrayal of Black Adam that I just haven't been able to put my finger on, and I know it has something to do with how he portrayed the. The vil- I don't even want to say anti-hero because I, I know they've been leaning that way a little bit with Black Adam in recent years. Like he is the hero of conduct, the hero of his people. We definitely saw that. So it's not that it's just I didn't get the sense of uh, I didn't get the sense of villainy from the character that I felt I should. Uh, I know it was his own movie and he's supposed to be a hero in his own movie in some respects. But um, I, f- I felt that that line wasn't ro- walked quite right enough. And I don't know if you felt that. No, I mean, I think just just labeling him as an anti-hero works. And it's just, I mean, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward in what we see in the movie that he's not a villain. So if they're trying to really make it sound or that if if they wanted to at least sell anybody on the idea that he's, you know, he's really, really walking that line like. And that at any given moment, what he does at one o'clock, he could be an anti-hero. And what he does at two o'clock, he's crossed that line and he's clearly doing villain stuff. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty straight. He may be non-emotional about stuff and has not, doesn't have, well, when you've been out of action, as long as he's been, it would make sense that you're kind of indifferent towards everything from a personal level. But the reality is he doesn't seem to have, it seems pretty clear in the movie that he is an anti-hero that he's certainly trying to protect people just generally speaking from when he sees something that he judges as, as a threat, he deals with it and he doesn't really care how he deals with it as he just needs to resolve it. But he's certainly not. And they kind of reinforce that at the end with the throne, when obviously he could sit on, he sits on the sits in the throne for a second. And that's, and that doesn't really, it's like, Nope, feels wrong. Yeah. I don't know also how I feel about Waller's presence in all of this. Why is Waller directing the JSA? Well, there are questions from a time frame perspective, because obviously the Justice Society in some way, shape or form is supposed to have been around for a while, which on one level seemingly contradicts what was, you know, what we were led to believe, what the deal was with with Superman and Batman and things like that. But so there's so there's a question just of how does it all how does it all fit? And then the idea, yeah, why, you know, why would Waller be controlling, you know, it's, it's, it, it comes back to the thing about Waller. I mean, why does she have so much influence over all these different, all these different characters and all these, that, I think that that is a good point. Based on what we've seen with the Suicide Squad and everything else, it just seems, it's, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that she would have her hands in as many things as she could. So I guess on that level, I, it, it did. 
it didn't bother me. It almost seems routine that, hey, you know, something's going on and someone's going to be trying to, con- you know, control things a la kind of like Nick Fury and a la uh, Thunderbolt Ross just trying to con- control things. It's easier to accept that kind of character's role. And because we've seen her so many times before, it's just it's just kind of easy. For, at least for me, it was easy to. Yeah. How did you feel about the individual JSA members? I mean, it would have been better to see Alan, clearly, as opposed to Cyclone, as regardless of how adorable she is. The same thing about uh, Adam Smasher. I mean, we didn't. It was I mean, it's kind of cool to see, but but it would have been probably better, ideally, to get more classic JSA members. But but I enjoyed seeing the J, you know, the JSA for for what that, you know, for what they were. And again, we don't have a whole lot of understanding about how they operate. We know they've been around for a while. And obviously, they make the point of uh, making it clear that, hey, they were there. are there are the Justice Society that doesn't seem to care much about interjecting themselves in, in other situations where justice <laughs> is on the line and they could have used help. Uh, so that it does give you the idea that raises the question about what their role really is and how much autonomy do they have or is it kind of almost like in a a Sokovia Accord situation where for whatever reason Waller has her hooks in these people and she completely dictates what, where they go and when they go and there's no autonomy. So, but I like, I, I like seeing them in the movie. It would have been cooler to see either more, either have more members seen or have some different members seen. Yeah. I also don't know how I feel about the portrayal of Hawkman and Dr. Fate. I thought that I thought the characterization was great, but we didn't see, unless i missed it they didn't even make any uh, uh, allusions to hawkman's reincarnation or anything about naboo in the helm as a matter of fact they said the helm of fate was from space i don't remember when they said that i'm pretty sure they said that uh, uh fate's helmet is from space yeah i don't remember that you could be absolutely right i don't remember i don't remember where where I think Cyclone was I think Cyclone was telling Adam Smasher that when he was about to touch it in the uh in the ship. Yeah. Uh but I mean you kind of you can you can kind of get context clues like how else does Hawkman own that massive mansion and an nth metal ship and like all that other stuff? Uh you would assume that that's, you know, like you see with most immortal type uh, or reincarnated type beings like they just amass wealth over the centuries. Um so that was cool. Um I I enjoyed a lot of the portrayal. I thought, you know, it, it it struck some of the comedy struck me as off kilter here or there, but I did really like the the Hawkman Adam Smasher thing where he's like, "You and me, <laughs> we're gonna talk," <laughs> because Adam Smasher kept like, smacking him out of the sky and stuff. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, their relation their relationship was their relationship was good. Uh on on that level because obviously he is about as green as you can get trying to carry on the family tradition but green is you know as green as you can get no pun intended with with cyclone there i like i mean i thought overall pierce brosnan did fine with dr fate they just you don't get you you don't get a whole lot of background other than the fact that we know he's much older than he's much older than he looks let's put that way his 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 life has been extended a long time because of his ties to the helmet but I, but I, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed what we saw from, from, from the Justice League. And it was funny seeing, cause in a way, Hawkman and, uh, at least in this movie, Hawkman and Black Adam have the same, they don't have the same outlook on life, but they kind of had the same attitude at times regarding other, you know, which is why they, they butt heads so often because they're both pretty unyielding in, in the way of looking at things. So, and it, it was, it was an interesting dynamic dynamic between the two of them so and I, I don't and i don't think the justice league the justice society overshadowed black adam i think uh probably because they were so heavily marketed that you knew that the justice society was going to be a major factor in this movie i didn't i didn't think that he was taking a backseat to the justice society yeah i don't i, I didn't agree with that but then i was like I, i'm not in the right position to make that call of whether or not i'm legitimately uh, agreeing or disagreeing with that point of view because I'm all for more JSA, but I, as far as the rest of it, in terms of um, the kid and his mother and his uncle and stuff like that, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't per 
particularly compelling. I, I felt like there was a lot of formula to this movie that worked and was entertaining, but not necessarily. I don't know, man. It, it felt like this was a good. It was a good popcorn flick plus an interesting movie in certain parts, which made it kind of a step above a, 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 a generic good popcorn flick for me, but nothing in nothing in the film that I can recall makes me feel like I was particularly wowed by any one moment. No, I don't. I don't think it. I don't know if there was any wow moment either. But I, but I, but I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it. I can't say I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I think I probably the best way to describe it is I enjoyed it as much as I hoped I would. That yeah, that makes sense. Especially when we we only all heard you know the horrible reviews like as the drum beat was before the movie came out. So which obviously has a certain impact on your expectation for the movie. Even if you, even if you logically know there are tons of movies, uh, your venom being another one where, you know, critics will hate it, but the fans just love it and like it, you know, well, they, well, whoever goes to see it loves it. So yeah. it doesn't, so that, but it obviously you, that's not what you want. You always want your, whatever your project is, you would always want it to be loved across the board as opposed to having any kind of split. But I, I, I did, Overall, I really did enjoy. I really did enjoy it. I think. I think the pacing was a little pro- problematic in the third act. I think they lost. They lost momentum after Black Adam decides to Shazam himself out of power, so they can lock him away when his when he kind of re- his guilt and his remorse about not just what he's done, but how he's in that position all came. And you get the you know you get the full origin which which are these meshes with some of the stuff we saw like in the original trailers that seem that at one point it looked like maybe they had retconned some of that or they had edited you know during all the reshoots and doing restructuring that maybe they had changed the way they were doing his origin in this but i thought i mean it didn't last long but i thought it kind of lost a little momentum during the time frame when he was when he was imprisoned and then uh everything in conduct sort of going literally to hell and then dr fate's got to do his He's uh, mad. Literally, does his magic there to uh, inspire Black Adam to come back? That so, but I, but 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 overall, I I really did it, and 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 it and it was cool when he came back at the end when he was like in the in the full Black Adam costume. Yeah, and he had, he had the cape, cape and everything. Yeah, because in the beginning he just has the you know he basically has the the costume but not the cape. The, I mean the cloak was cool. Don't get me wrong, the black cloak was kind of cool. But when he when he comes back and you know and the costume's kind of refreshed and then he has the cape and everything that's that that was that was that was cool and you could see read into that and say that's a uh kind of like a defining moment for him and and when he's kind of like putting it together and a little more de- a little more dedicated to trying to walk at least on slightly on the right side of that line if even though he's always going to be he's always going to be straddling it so yeah, I just uh, the I, I was glad that they brought magic into it uh, so heavily with Doctor Fate and and obviously you know just the Council of Wizards and everything. But to the fact that they went to to like the dark side in terms of hell and you know uh, the various demons and the ranks of hell and stuff like that in terms of Sabak, which I thought was cool and interesting because uh, and I'm not gonna read it read it now if it becomes relevant later i might but there was a post over on twitter that went viral a few days ago in terms of viral enough for the comic book community let's say and it goes hey you know the the premise essentially was like hey you are the head of dc studios you you wake up one day and you're you're the head what do you do what's your plan and without getting into because i had a whole list of things Basically, my list of stuff was created and, and the villains that I chose for each individual character was about opening up certain doors within DC. So like for Superman, I wanted to choose Brainiac or someone similar uh, like Lobo or Mongol who would kind of be the first like intergalactic threat that Clark has faced uh, for Wonder Woman. We wanted to bring in sir I, I wanted to bring in cersei because it would bring in the magical side uh and and so on and so forth it was all about opening up various doors to the different sides of the dc universe 
And I like that they're doing that here. Like, yes, we got magic in terms of uh, in in terms of uh, uh, the Shazam movie, but uh, this leaned even more into it um, with Doctor Fate. It leaned even more into it with Sabak and the Legions of Hell. We kind of got it with the with the 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 demons uh in the first uh, shazam film um but that could be easily mistaken like this is in black adam it's very clearly it's hell (laughs) and it's specific demons uh and stuff like that so i like that they really leaned uh leaned into that and really opened up that world i like that i I like that intergang specifically was the kind of uh, invading force over in Kondok, because as we, you know, if you've been reading DC for any amount of time, Intergang is one of those kind of nebulous organizations, much like kind of Cobra's organization and stuff like that, that will pop up in various DC comics over the years. Um, most notably, I guess, Intergang usually shows up in relation to Superman. But it was cool that they didn't just pick some nameless organization. They specifically said Intergang. And it looks like Intergang also has advanced weaponry, which they do, you know, Intergang in the comics does have some access to advanced weaponry. It wasn't during... um the death of Superman and, and the reign of the Superman that uh, intergang stole, I guess uh, steals design for the Toastmaster guns or whatever, or whatever and they you, were called. You might, it sounds right. It's been so long. Yeah. Cause they been... were equipping their street thugs with these guns that could just incinerate people. And it was based on technology that Henry Irons had created while he, I think he was at, he was at star labs, wasn't he? Uh, I see. That sounds like it might be right. I'm going off of such a deep DC tangent here at this point, but basically I liked, I like the amount of references in here. I really do like when a film gives me references that references and Easter eggs that work and are not forced. I do like the nods. Uh, For instance, one of those nods and I forget where it happened in the comics. It might've been 52. It might've been the 52 event, but at one point, Black Adam does something right, and in in, in the comics, and it kind of divides people. And uh, Adam Smasher is one of the ones who sides with Black Adam and goes over to Kondok with him. And at the end of this film, you do see like you know Adam Smasher sort of lingers back and you know kind of says his additional goodbye to Black Adam, like he like he'll miss him or something. So I do like that little tease of a connection between those two. Um, because you know, like Cyclone and 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 Hawkman and them, they're they're out. You know, the 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 whole situation is done. But Adam Smasher sort of lings, lingers back for a second, and that reminded me very much of oh yeah, Adam Smasher does have a bit of a relationship with an understanding of Black Adam in the comics. Um, so I I do like those little nods here and there that I thought that was cool. I think when it comes down though to what felt weird about the film and, and black Adam's portrayal. Um, if I were to boil it down to a single moment though, it's not obviously there's there's other moments that felt off, but if I were to boil it down to a single moment, black Adam smashing the throne did not make sense to me. The black Adam in admittedly, I black Adam is not one of the, the sides of DCU that I understand as intimately as some others, but I feel like I know Teth Adam enough from the comics that I read of him that I don't know that Black Adam of the comics would be adverse to taking the throne. He is he is straight up in the comics. He has straight up just been like, I am the ruler of Kondok. Uh, you know, that th- like he fully embraces the fact that he is the sovereign of that nation. So like I I don't know how I don't know how I felt about that. Uh, as just one of the key points that points to the discrepancy between the characterization of Black Adam in the film versus the comics. I do know that DC has tried to go more, like you said, you use the word anti-hero stuff like that with Black Adam in the comics is in recently we've been talking about it. He's been a member of the Justice League very, very recently. So they're clearly trying to do some sort of redemption sort of, uh, you know, anti-hero as you said sort of arc with him and maybe that's just all they want to establish with him in the film universe 
So they figure you're like, why shackle us down with, you know, every horrific thing he's done? Why make why make it a point to show him doing lots of villainous and horrific stuff and then go for the antihero angle? Why not just start there? So I guess at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. But I don't know. When you say Black Adam, I was expecting like, oh, they're they're playing with something here and they could still be. But it just felt different than what I was expecting of Black Adam. When I hear the name Black Adam, um, the characterization of a man who wants to be a hero and is failing, who willingly gives up his power because he's hurting other people. And when he realizes he is needed, isn't going to take the throne and become the sovereign of his nation doesn't feel as genuine to the character of Black Adam that I know in the comics. I can certainly understand that. I think I just think based on how they retooled him for not just this movie, but maybe where they're positioning him to go forward. They just they wanted to do a little differentiation, which, of course, does open the door for people that are really familiar and and or even fans of the of the version of the character that they're used to in the in the comics that that's part of where you always have the potential rocking the boat when you, when the source material and what you how you modify it parts ways too much with the throne it may maybe the real issue at least at the moment is i mean that could be something that develops over time where he changes his mind that that's not how he came into being and that's not how he really saw himself but then maybe eventually he'll come to the conclusion that he has to you know, Caesar like that he that the only way to keep this this ship running smooth is for him to be the one to be the captain. But and it's also could be maybe just symbolically because that's because of what that throne represents and that that and where it came from and what it represents that that's not something he wants to be a part of. So maybe if it was literally something he builds on his own, then maybe it would be something else that he maybe he would maybe he would view it even symbolically differently. Maybe. Oh, so like maybe he wants to be the wants to be the sovereign or the king or whatever, but that specific throne represents the man who killed his son. Well, kind of. Right. Uh, But it could. But it. But it could. It's not necessarily that he wants to, but it doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have those tendencies. But it just means that it's too stark, too stark a contrast. Where again, even if it's just because of his son, there's no way he's there's no way he's gonna. He's going he's gonna to sit on that, that thing. And just, so it doesn't mean that maybe down the road that another symbol, another, you know, another literal and figurative seat of power he would be against taking under the right circumstance. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just speculation. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed it, though. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I did, uh, too. I, I thought I sort of I don't really get why the critics really ripped into it as much as they did. I find that I find that a bit. Puzzling why they really jumped on this movie it's like it's almost like because because it, it, it uses a lot of the the tropes that we see in almost every superhero movie but because it was although because those tropes are in this movie somehow that 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 angered critics for some reason or unless it's just anti you know rock pushback or we're at that point of the game where he's been built up enough and now they want to try to t- tear him down i don't know I don't quite understand why they made it sound like it was this train, this train wreck when it when it obviously wasn't. And based on the fan reaction to it, it obviously wasn't. And that's the people who saw it obviously liked it. So I don't I don't quite. I don't get the, the critical hate for this movie. And but I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was certainly better than a lot of a lot of DC stuff we've seen, which, again, on the sliding scale, doesn't seem like a compliment, but it's certainly I certainly don't think it's I don't think it's worse than a lot of the stuff we've seen in phase four of Marvel. Yeah, for sure. And in the sliding scale of the DC films, um, I honestly don't know where I'd rank this. I think I actually like it better than the first Shazam movie. Yeah, I definitely like it better than Shazam. Yeah. You'd have to go back. We'd have to go back. and Well, see, in all honesty, it almost by default is going to move into the top the top half or the top three or four because so much of the dcu is crap i mean when you really break it down i mean some things are i mean some things are, and when i mean crap i don't mean it's like they're not all steaming piles but 
most people didn't like BVS. Most people didn't like the second Wonder Woman. Um, I like man. the first Wonder Woman more than this movie, though. <sighs> I eh. I may like it's, it's comparable. This one. I think it's pretty comparable. I think those two are are, are are close to the same. I like definitely like this better than Shazam. I might like it more than Aquaman because Aquaman meant nothing to me as a character, and certainly the Jason Momoa version of Aquaman is not for the Aquaman. So, uh, but I'm looking. Man of Steel is divisive just for certain reasons, but it, it, you know if they hadn't screwed up the Pa Kent character, I think more people would like that movie. That that really is a big albatross around that around that movie. Um, Justice League, obviously, the theatrical isn't particularly good, and you can't even judge the Snyder cut because it's so ridiculously overblown and long, and, we, and it's nothing like we would have gotten a theatrical version. But if we had to judge it as its own app, as its own animal. It's okay. It's fine. I didn't love it. It's still overblown. So I don't know. There's not. And then you have, you know, the suicide, either Suicide Squad movie were fine. I mean, the, the second one was probably a better movie. And, you know, the Harley Quinn movie wasn't that good. So, yeah, I, I mean, almost by default, this movie is going to at least be, if not in the top, in the top third, it's definitely going to be in the top half of the DCU just by default, which again, it's also by guilt by, you know, it's, in a positive way, guilt by association, because there's so much crap there. But it felt more like a Marvel movie on some level than a DC movie. And maybe once again, like the original Wonder Woman, maybe that's why it works. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I would definitely I I'm, I mean, I'm, I, it means nothing at this point for me to say I'd, I'd buy this on Blu-ray. I would see it again in the theaters. I would, too. I don't know if I'm going to be if I'm going to be able to probably because I don't think there's anything decent, anything big coming out next week. So there's a gap. So I, that might be that might be the a good time to go back and see it again before whenever how many how many weeks we have to wait before it ends up on uh, or m- months at this point before it ends up on HBO Max. Well, I canceled HBO Max. Oh, did you? You scrapped it? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I might see it again. Um, I, I don't think there's any need for me to, for me to buy it. But then again, to be perfectly honest, I don't think I own any any DCU EU, thank God that's dead because that was always a stupid anagram or whatever. Uh, the uh, not you know what I mean. Uh, the the I don't think I own any of the any movie in the DC EU, so it would kind of be appropriate. It'd be it would be consistent for me not to get Black Adam either, uh, unless there was a, unless there were a whole bunch of interesting extras, and that would be. Uh, but I still I still probably wouldn't do it because it's the rewatch value for me. It's like if I don't think I'm going to watch it more than the first time I open the package, realistically, if I don't. And I'd, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just know the odds are, you know, yeah, you'll watch it and you'll watch the extras. But then is it just going to be sitting there for, for years and years and years? And you may never even put it in, even if you think about it, you may never. Yeah. So I doubt I'll buy this, but I would I would at least give it a slight chance, you know, on the sliding scale. There's at least maybe like a 40% chance I could I could see myself buying this. Yeah, but oddly enough, folks at home, uh, the uh, hierarchy of power didn't change as a result of Black Adam. It changed as a result of some news that dropped around the release of Black Adam. So even before, even before Black Adam came out, like several months before, I think, we knew that Warner Brothers was looking for a new new person to over to basically be the DC version of Kevin Feige. That was that was the game plan is uh, David Zaslav was looking for somebody to be able to direct, uh, have to steer the ship to try to <laughs> erase, erase the sins and not repeat them that uh, we've seen under the the Snyder to a lesser extent, Nolan, because Nolan really was a producer. He wasn't really you know, I don't think he was ever actively involved in in deciding on which projects were going to be made but it was it was more unfortunately snyder that was steering the ship early on and now we have uh james gunn and what peter safran they're going to be the the co-leaders of dc studios co-chairman and co-ceos which is interesting because it seems like i think the i think the average fan is probably excited about the james gunn involvement even though there are some which which always makes me laugh. It doesn't make me laugh. It makes me shake my head because I watch, 
you know, you, I watch a lot of the, you know, the stuff on YouTube and a lot of insiders and things like that. And, and I do like watching, and I've mentioned this before. I do like watching Grace Randolph, but man, she does have dogs in the fight and you can tell, and when she has a, and when she has a dog in the fight on either side, you know, that she's, she really has a hard time being objective. So for whatever reason, she just doesn't really like James Gunn, I think. So it came, it came, it became pretty clear that like, she thinks this is like a really horrible move for DC. I think it remains to be seen. I mean, we know the rumors were that James Gunn was supposed to be put in charge at one point of the cosmic part of the Marvel cinematic universe. Obviously Feige would have still been above him, but as far as from an autonomy perspective that, uh, he would he would be given obviously a little bit of he would have in a lot of input in coming up with the projects and probably steering and unifying cohesively the cosmic part of the MCU. That was that was what was being bantied around, I think, before he got fired. That was part that was rumor what was going to happen. So now the question becomes what exactly how this how this trickles down, how it helps reshape the the DCU, the DC Studios vision compared to Snyder. And obviously we know as the post-credit scene in Black Adam shows that, uh, you know, Henry Cavill is back as Superman and he will be doing, and he's, he's made it perfectly clear that he's, he's going to be doing future projects as Superman, which is probably why he won't be in Witcher season four. So the question is, and I think David Zaslav, I, I think we talked about this in a different episode, that seeing Superman basically as the the key to the TCU, the heart and soul of the DCU built around are on the back of Superman. So in a way, this this does kind of make sense that if it does turn out that Superman ends up being heavily focused and not this depressing, dark version of Superman or yeah. that, that a lot of the upbeat version of Superman, which Henry Cavill obviously seems pretty pumped to play that i mean i think i think they're right for that like uh you if you don't nail if you don't absolutely nail a superman movie it's going to be hard to build the rest of that universe i think i think in terms of nailing the tone of something and nailing the portrayal of something superman is harder than batman yeah generally speaking because because on some levels batman's like Batman has depth, but on one level, he's like a one trick pony from the perspective that even the way, even how people play Batman, they all, there's different nuances. But as we've, again, something else that's come up in conversation, playing Batman is easy. It's playing Bruce Wayne. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, almost anybody, as long as you have a halfway decent chin inside the cowl can, can look and move and act like Batman. But, it, and that's not really true for Superman. You have to have, you have to be able to, there's certain elements from a personality perspective that you, and there's certain elements you have to convey the, the core essence of the character. So yeah, it, it makes sense. It kind of, again, we have no way of knowing this at all, but you, I, in a way you kind of pray that James Gunn has some interest in Green Lantern because maybe at least then we can finally get, get some movement on that front from a movie perspective too down the or not like not like 10 years down the road but maybe like within like three or four years maybe yeah so i mean and just to touch on that real quick um i do know you know obviously that uh, james gunn and peter safran will be um co-chairman co-ceos of dc studios um but they are going to be working not just on film but tv and animation as well um so that does include things like the projects uh, already ongoing that are still not that have are not already been kicked off the chopping block like Green Lantern, which we did hear uh, the Green Lantern core TV series, which we did hear has been completely re uh, re revamped, revamped, yeah, restructured. restructured. Yes. Yeah, restructured. It'll no longer be the sort of anthology time skipping series that involved Guy and Jessica and Alan and all the rest. It'll now be focused on John Stewart, which on some level that can't really surprise us based on multiple things, but which doesn't mean it'll be bad, nor does it mean that some of these other characters will not be in the the show at all. It just means that, yes, if we were looking forward to this multi-generational Jessica and Guy and Alan and maybe Kyle and all and maybe which I was. Yeah, I think I think it was also an easier thing to to sell 
to us because we knew that the reason they were keeping John and Hal out of it was because they were supposed to be the focal point of the movie. Yeah. So now moving John into the TV show makes you wonder, A, of course, what's the game plan for Hal if there is one? And it also makes you wonder what other care, what it just how they're going to deal with John and how how it's going to relate to the core, unless it's just going to unless it's not going to be as core centric and be more like almost like a John Stewart solo Green Lantern show, which would be with just a little bit of the core, which obviously would save more money if you did that. Uh, I don't know. The, uh, the, The real key to that is clearly since they had like eight scripts already to go on that show and it took forever uh, to get that pro, you know, get that project even close to the point where they might have been ready, to, you know, getting where they might have been capable of starting to film soon, and then to go back basically to the drawing board. That this is, if not for the fact that you assume in the beginning that Zaslav is going to kind of be maybe more amendable to going along with what, especially what you know what Gunn is is recommending, I would suspect more than Zafrin, uh, but maybe not. But either way, I would suspect. That only for that reason, maybe the Green Lantern show still will see the light of day. It's still, I'm still not more than like 40, 40%, 40 to 45% sure that I think is a, that this is likely to ever see the light of day because we don't know how long it's going to take to get the show restructured. You would, you, you have to assume it's going to be at least a, a year before they would can be in any, any reasonable position to start filming. Yeah. So I don't know. But the but the restructuring of DC is it gives you hope. It gives you hope that because we know what ha- what they had done before didn't work. It gives you more more hope than anything else Warner has announced recently. Frankly, all the decisions and the cancellations and all the other stuff. I, I mentioned earlier in the episode, I canceled HBO Max. I canceled it weeks ago because of all this crap that's been going on. Look, uh, if you if you are buying and paying for HBO Max. Because of things other than DC Comics related content, good on you. Go ahead, keep keep on keeping on with your HBO Max stuff, whatever you whatever you want. If you got into it primarily, not wholly, but primarily for DC stuff, I I don't know that I'm qualified to make this call. But abandon ship. Because I don't know what the fuck is happening over there. <laughs> and it does not look good in terms of if they put something out and you really like it, do you have any faith that you will see that thing again? I'm not entirely sure that anything that remains <laughs> uh, that hasn't already been canceled uh, will still be there uh, in X amount of time from now. I I have, and because I can't rely on the platform I paid for, and it was what, like 16 something a month, then uh, I decided, you know what? Uh, I bought this primarily to just see what it was all about while I waited for Green Lantern to come out, and Green Lantern's still not out, and everything seems to be crumbling around us on this platform, so I should probably go because there's another show I want to watch, Interview with a Vampire, and their paid service costs half of what I'm paying for now for hbo max so i was like there's something else i want to watch it costs me half the money to do it uh and their network's not falling apart so amc plus it is for me (laughs) we we also know uh one way or the other hbo max is going to be you know obviously reshuffled redesigned whether it's going to fold into discovery plus whether it's going to be whether basically your subscription to HBO Max is going to end up being a Discovery Plus subscription and it's all and it's you know it's all one it's all one platform and all the content from it. Um we're not nobody entirely knows how that's gonna work. I mean, obviously w, WB is making it sound like that's not what the plan is short term, but it's hard to know. But yes, it is problematic. I understand if you're when you know when the company was probably, you know, for the most part, seemingly was run into the ground by the last group of people in charge of it. And then you have to clean up the mess and you're trying to, every little penny counts when you're trying to save. So if there's some content that if, which is still, it's crappy. It is crappy. Especially HBO Max exclusive content that gets removed because at the end of the day, based on just the way business is done, you actually can get, you, you will get more money by right, taking it off and writing it off as opposed to just leaving it on the platform that 
it does suck that they're doing that. Now they don't seem to be doing it with a lot of, you know, anything that's super, uh, super popular because that's the reason why they can justify getting rid of it at the moment, but it's a bad precedent no matter what. And you're right. It's, it opens the door to, you don't know. And it's also weird because even some of the, even again, this, and I'm sure this is contractual, but still it's annoying that even some of their own content comes in and goes like, I think, I think the Harry Potter movies just came back on, which is cool, but it's annoying that the Harry Potter movies ever, you know, ever had to leave once they launched that platform. But again, it's, it's contractual yeah. obligations. It's the same thing with, uh, you know, Disney plus it's the same way. Disney plus doesn't have, doesn't have, you know, actually I think they have new mutants now. Finally, I think they did get new mutants unless it was, they do. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, but you know, but that that took forever, and I don't know if they got Dark Phoenix yet. That if that's all because of the contractual obligations from Fox and in, in the you know in the deals with Fox with with uh, WB, which is why they were on HBO and slash HBO Max now. Uh, so it is it is problematic, and then again, you you even look at some of these other pro, you know some of these other DC projects that. I mean, I think most of the ones have already that are, they've already filmed. We're going to see, of course, the Flash is the big wild card, not just because well, there's so much money invested in it, but now what they were what they wanted that movie to be, does it still have the same role with the reshuffling of the decks, the deck to chairs, the deck chairs on the Titanic? And if it doesn't, does it still have a purpose in being released, and is it worth the? you know, the baggage because of Ezra Miller. I still don't think most people were going to see it for Ezra Miller. They were going to see it for Michael Keaton. So I think you could make a case. There's a lot of reason to still do it, but that's the only one I think that might still be at risk. I know Aquaman has had issues, but Aquaman I'm sure will be released. Shazam is going to be released, especially following black Adam Shazam Shazam will be released. So then the question just comes down to some of the other projects that were being thrown about. How does this affect others? How does it affect we assume it doesn't affect, you know, the Joker, you know, the Joker sequel, which again, I don't know how I feel about that movie either, but I don't know how it affects that project, but some of these other things that were being talked about and that haven't been announced yet, we just, we're going to have to wait and see and see. There may be some, they may still be, those projects may still see the light of day. They just may not be, they may be in a different incarnation based on what their purpose is and what the you know DC studios want them to be now. Yeah. Um, I, do we think Black Adam's success or failure at the box office will factor into the future? Or is everything sort of uh, on a pathway right now with the announcement of James Gunn and and, and I already forgot his name, Peter, whatever. Saffron. Peter right, Saffron. Saffron. I'm not sure. It's up in the air. I mean, you can make a case. Maybe it depends how well Gunn and, and Dwayne Johnson see eye to eye, whether whether the direction this movie obviously on some level it's not like what happened in this movie i think it's going to be swept under the rug rug or ignored because they they did put a lot of they did put a lot of eggs in this basket so i think they wanted this in a way maybe to be a soft reboot as far as what this world was like so so you do have the justice society you already have another team of heroes you know there's other characters out there you, you know, she's obviously it's the same wizard, even though they were obviously there were more of the wizards back then, which is why they were able to uh, imprison Black Adam the way they did. But that, you know, obviously the Shazam uh, Black Adam meeting will, event, you know, will will eventually happen. Super, we know Superman and Black Adam will eventually square off. That's, you know, that's we know that's a given now at some point, not necessarily in its own movie, but we know it will happen in a movie. So I don't think it's going to be a complete. I don't think the change in head of the studios is going to have a dramatic impact on. I don't think it will. It could. I don't think it'll have a dramatic impact on what like Black Adam's role is going to be. The box. I mean, the box office. It is. It is what it is. I mean, this was not the best release time for it overall. It wasn't horrible. I mean, as far as it. Sh- it should have. Ideally, it should have done a little better. Uh, not necessarily even week one, but it should have had a better hold, but it had the traditional superhero movie hold. I mean, drop hold slash drop. So that's not dramatic, 
if the Chinese, if the China box office was in a better shape because they have COVID mania running wild over there and they're kind of being draconian in the way they're handling it. So while this movie is opening in China, it is scheduled to open in China, which will obviously add money into the coffers. The question is, will that be enough to push this movie? I mean, if you go with the traditional model, this movie, I think the production budget is 200. The traditional model says you only have to make over four to basically be turning a profit. But most people now use the three times multiplier. So you have to make 600 million. I don't see how it's going to get to 600 million uh, worldwide. I, I mean, I think getting to 400, getting to 400, 450 probably is something it could it could do without a whole lot of heavy lifting. I think it could do that. I don't think. I don't think the box office one way or the other will have a tremendous effect going forward on the fate of black Adam because of critical acclaim or well, fan uh, 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 audience reaction for two. Yeah. For two reasons. The audience really, really liked it. I mean, it's like 90% of rotten tomatoes versus like the 40% critic score. So pretty much is like venom. Uh, it's pretty much almost exactly like Venom. It's a Venom, I think. A Venom, I think, was even worse, right, from a critic. Yeah, score. Venom. Venom was even more hard panned by critics. But I think it was slightly higher in fan. It wasn't like ninety three? I think for some reason yeah, I want to say I it was ninety. So. But either way, it's we know. I'm being specific, but it, it is in the ballpark where it's a very, it's very much like. I mean, it did make as much money as Venom, but to be fair, Black Adam is not the main point. Is that Black Adam is not the Rock is well known. Black Adam's not particularly well known. And a lot of people have pointed out that the the marketing campaign for this movie was kind of questionable. They didn't, they kind of played up him as in The Rock more than kind of telling you what this movie was really, really about, other than giving you some cool scenes. And maybe that hurt the movie. I'm sure the critic score suppressed the box office to a certain extent. But then again, you would think word of mouth would have helped it. So maybe this was always a movie that was destined to destined to have a good opening weekend and then just and then just fall off. And it'll be curious to see what it does in this coming weekend, the third weekend, since we know it only had it has pretty much this coming this this coming weekend and then what one more weekend before Black Panther. So it only really has two more weekends to make whatever it's going to make domestically and then you know it's done. It's not gonna if it's a disappointment, it's I don't think it's going to be a big enough disappointment that's going to alter things because I think they got enough out of this, and the fa- the fact that fans reacted positively to this, I think overall won't change, won't make won't have any massive directional shift that wouldn't that wouldn't already necessarily be there by the the, the change in you know, the, the regime change. I don't think the box office is going to make gun. And Zafron changed their minds dramatically compared to what, what whatever their plans were once they took that job. So I don't think it'll have a big impact, but I could be wrong. I just don't think it will. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see where we go from here. It's interesting that Cavill is back as Superman. I'm curious what that means for uh, our other cast members of the DC Universe. Obviously, Flash, you mentioned briefly earlier, is uh, a whole mess unto itself. And given how close we are to relatively close we are to that thing being, you know, potentially released, uh, the fact that we still haven't had a definitive decision one way or another on it is uh, is interesting. Um, But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I will say the gun and and. In Peter News is probably the first bit of encouraging interest slash interesting slash hope restoring news that we've had from the new regime uh, since uh, they took control. Well, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't go that far because I think I think Zaz, I don't think there are things Zaslav has done which may not have been certainly weren't well things weren't well received. But I don't I don't I don't think a lot of his decisions really are bad uh or necessarily the bad girl thing's up in the air i mean we don't know what that project how bad that movie really is maybe it's not as bad maybe it's maybe it really is maybe it absolutely really is and or it could just simply be it's not good but it's also starting you down a path taking you in a direction which pretty much he had already decided that that's where we don't want to go with dc we want to kind of like take this in a different direction so it's going to be more confusing to release a project like this. I think 
the reason why the gun stuff is the gun stuff gives you optimism, not just because of what he did with Guardians, but because, you know, the you know, the second Suicide Squad didn't make any money, but generally people liked it for what it was. And that fucking movie had balls. <laughs> the characters that were used in that film and even up into and including Starro the Conqueror, like like I said earlier in the episode, part of what I want to see is these films just embrace the idea that, look, we live in a ridiculous universe here. Uh, so with magic and weird space things and... Uh, and, and crazy fifth dimensional imps uh, who have to say their name backwards to go back to their home dimension. Like we live in the most ridiculous universe here when we, when we're playing in the sandbox, let's just lean into the skid. That's what I want to see with the DC universe. Does that, does, does that necessarily mean it has to be goofy and, and all this stuff? No, there can still be a legitimate threat within all of that. It's just, I wish these films, uh, at least as far as DC is concerned, would stop trying to like take these concepts that have existed for however many years in the case of green lantern, 80 plus uh, we're coming up on 85, I think. Uh, 80 plus years or whatever and just embrace them for what they are stop trying to modernize them you know like i'm 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 all but convinced that you know uh, unless we start leaning into the skid we're eventually going to get a man bat who is just a dude in a sort of mech suit with a wing you know sort of thing and you know it isn't a true on wear bat <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i i want to see the real versions of these things and let's play with those concepts and stop trying to ground them uh, in some sort of reality. There is a fair amount of on surface ridiculous stuff in the DCU. And I want to see it done in such a way that it's authentic, but also still threatening because it's threatening in the comics and it's threatening in animated adaptations. It can be threatening in the films. You just have to do it right. No, I think that's a good point. I think, and it also helps. Going back to Gun, it also helps that, generally speaking, people liked Peacemaker, which was a real hard sell because he was just he was super douchey and unlikable in the Suicide Squad movie. So then to have that character of all characters get a spinoff, and for that show to be much better than anybody would have possibly imagined, it could be. So his two forays into the DCU so far have been good. So we kind of, but yeah, it'll be curious. It'll be curious to see what kind of movies they focus in on, what characters they focus in on and what story, if they're going to start kind of trying to do unified storytelling, as far as building towards events, which events are they going to really start building towards it? It's yeah, it's so that's 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 the part of that that that's intriguing, I think, about this. And it does it does give you hope. And we'll have to see if, you know, if uh if Affleck if Affleck really comes stays or, or comes back to so it's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of intangibles here and and it, it'll be interesting to see if it has any trickle down effect on some of the projects that are not supposed to be all in the same universe, like the joke like the Joker. And things like that. If any it's not of those, supposed to for now, right? But we know how well not we we know how well non continuity works in the DC comics. So uh, I don't. Part of me doesn't like that. But then again, we you can get away with it. We call them a multiverse concept in general because you still have Pattinson's Batman, and you, still, you know, which seemingly again exists in a in a in a different world than the Joker exists. It's a different world than Affleck's Batman exists, and, or Michael Keaton's Batman exists. So it's not it's not a the kiss of death, you know, and on that level at all. It'll just be curious to see what kind of storytelling, whether whether they try to do unified storytelling or whether they're perfectly okay having four or five different technically DC universes existing at the same time and telling stories in them. At this, you know, just whichever one you want to go in, and this is just, this is this is its own thing, and we'll do stories here, and we don't need to have to have these connect or have these characters into you know, crossover for sure. All right. Anything else? Uh, beware my power. Ironically, now that you don't have HBO max anymore is on HBO max. No, I have the Blu-ray. So that is true, but I'm just saying you would have, 
I assume you knew it, but then once you said you dumped HBO Max and it was like, well, you probably don't because I'm trying to remember if it just I, it either came on right at the end of October or, or was the first. I just know I just know it was it's 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 been on. Um, so that that I noticed. I wanted to mention that. So if you have not, if you did not pay, if you didn't buy it or you didn't rent rent it or you know whatever to watch it, that now if you have HBO Max, you could you'll be able to watch Beware My Power. But other than that. All right. Well, people want to uh, share their thoughts on Black Adam or leave feedback for the upcoming episode 500. How do they do so? Chad's farewell. Lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708 Lantern is the number. And again, if you'd like our Discord, leave us a voicemail, leave us a text, or emails. Send us an email at lanterncast at gmail.com. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>